Our scripture this morning is Matthew 5, verses 20 through 30. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said of those of ancient days, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. This is the word of the Lord. If one sets the gospel of Matthew on top of the gospel of Mark, you'll see that they're almost identical except for five sermons. Five sermons of Jesus. Five large red-letter sections if you have a red-letter Bible. Early church fathers called this the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch of Jesus. They would separate it out from the gospel and they would memorize it. I've separated it out, and this is the five sermons of Jesus, according to Matthew, that aren't in the Gospel of Mark. And there's a couple copies on your way out for, and if you run out, you can contact the first office, uh, the front office. But look how thin this is. This is my first application, by the way. Look how thin this is, and think of the last novel you read. And compare it to this. These are the words of Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian, that means little Christ. That means little Jesus. It means follower of Jesus. When's the last time you looked at the words of Jesus and found out what Jesus has to say to you? So pick up one of these things, boom. Now, the biggest of the sermons, of these five sermons, is the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the one we're in today. And he starts it with the Beatitudes. Jesus starts the, the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. And we started that a couple week, weeks ago. 
And in my mind, the Beatitudes are what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the world looks like if you made Jesus king of your life. Most of the world thinks of Christians as people trying to get into heaven. But if you start studying these words, one of the first things that you'll realize is that's backwards. Jesus isn't about getting into heaven. Jesus is about getting heaven into us. He's about making him the king of our lives so that we start to experience eternal kingdom of God now. Heaven starts, according to Jesus, whenever you say, yes, Lord, you fill in the question. So Jesus starts this Sermon on the Mount, and he starts it with the Beatitudes, and he says, down is up, up is down. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not as the world seems to have it. The kingdom of this world says, blessed are the people that crush everyone else. Blessed are the people that make it to the top of the corporate ladder. Jesus paints his picture and he says, you make me king of your life and this is what it's going to look like. And it's radically different. And I'll give you a warning. When you start looking at the words of Jesus, he will challenge you. So he paints this picture in its broad strokes. And then, he's, and then he goes into defining what people of the kingdom of God look like. And he doesn't say, you try and do this, you try and do that. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You say yes to me and make me king of your life. This is who you are. You look in the mirror, and this is what you see coming back at you. You are light. You are salt. And then he gets really practical. And we have this text before us, and it's a doozy. It's, it's a rough one. And he says, okay, people in my kingdom, because if you were a rabbi of that time, you would be saying, yes. That's all really good. Your salt and your light. This is up and down, all that stuff. But do I still go to synagogue? Do I still, you know, try and respect my parents? Do I still try and do this stuff? What, what's my day-to-day life in the kingdom going to look like? And Jesus says, I want your righteousness to surpass those of the Pharisees and the scribes. My best friend in high school was a Jew, a Jew, a Jewish man. His name is Shariar Zahabian. And, and in fact, he's still a friend. Uh, he was here. He was in the sanctuary when I got ordained a couple of years ago in June. And um, I remember one conversation we were having. I think we were in college at the time. And he said, Jason, I'm a Jew. You're a Christian. Mine is way harder. You wouldn't last a day as a Jew. And I was thinking about it for a second, and I was trying to, and I gave a really Jewish response, so he was very impressed. I said, okay, yes and no. And then I left him with that, and we just kept talking. 
But that's where, we, that's, that's where we're at right this morning. As we're, we're discussing how hard or how easy it is to be a follower of Christ. And in certain ways, it, it is harder to be a Jew. Because there's all kinds of rules. There's all kinds of laws. And when he says, Jesus says, I want you to out-righteous the Pharisees and the scribes, he was making a tall order. Pharisees and scribes memorized this stuff. Pharisees and scribes wrote these laws on their, in these little notes and put them on their foreheads. Pharisees and scribes were serious about trying to do the best with their lives to please God by following rules. But in certain ways, it's harder to be a Christian. It's harder to be a follower of Christ. Because he turns the corner and he says, this is what I'm talking about. When I say I want you to surpass the Pharisees and the scribes, I don't want you to follow a bunch of rules. Your heart is the heart of the matter. There was a, a movie out there a couple years back. It was a romantic comedy with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston, and I think it was called, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. What was it called? Well, it doesn't matter. Do you remember it? Anybody remember that movie? It was like The Breakup. Yes. The choir comes through yet again. Yes. It was called The Breakup. And there's a, there's a scene in that that gets quoted often in the Griffiths home. And that is Vince Vaughn is sitting on the couch and uh, his wife, Jennifer Anderson, comes in and says, Okay, you haven't done the dishes. Vince Vaughn says, Okay, I'll do the dishes. Jennifer Anderson says, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. <laughs> and Vince Vaughn says, that's stupid. Because who would want to want to do dishes? But that's beside the point. The point is, Jesus is saying, I want you to want to be good. I'm going after your heart. You can follow rules until you're blue in the face and it's not going to get me any closer to you. You need to let me into the center of your life. You need to, you need to let me into that which drives you. You need to let me into the, the core of fill in your name, the core of Jason Griffiths. Jesus wants to be at the core of me and he wants to be at the core of you. And he says, and he gives us some practical tips. This is the heart of the heart. My, your heart is the heart of the matter. And I don't want you following rules. I want you to let me into the throne of your life. And just, I want to say a, a little word about the core and the word belief. I think we've grown numb to the word belief. 
because we've seen people say, hey, I believe in Jesus, and they, they, they don't know a single word that he's said. And we've seen people say, hey, I believe that the Lakers are going to win this year. They're, they're silly or something. And then they never watch a Laker game. Or Your beliefs are that which drive you. Your beliefs are potent. Your beliefs are powerful. I think a lot of times we, we say we believe stuff, but our actions so, show we believe something else. I think when I go to fast food restaurants, I'm proclaiming, I believe that my body doesn't matter. When I... When I watch TV instead of spend time with my family. I'm stating, I believe that fictional characters matter more than the people closest to me. I think, we're, I think we, if we looked at our weeks and we looked at our lives and actually watched our actions and then tried to derive back to what our beliefs are, we would be scared. It would be a frightening exercise. Jesus wants our beliefs. He wants our hearts. Gandhi believed that peaceable change came through peaceable protest. Therefore, he fasted. Martin Luther King, Jr., he believed that love should be the ultimate law. And so he, he peaceably protested and he fought. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to kill people. You're not supposed to murder I want to go after the root of that. Kingdom people cast out anger from their hearts. Like Jeff was talking about, the lightning bolt, the negative. Kingdom people take that energy and transform it and it lives out in the form of a light. And Jesus gives us a couple of tips. He says, if you're angry with somebody, somebody's got a problem with you, you've got a problem with them. It doesn't matter where you are. Drop what you're doing. Go make peace. Anger in your heart is what I'm after. And then he turns his sight and he said, you've heard it said, adultery. You shouldn't be sleeping around. He says, I want the lust. I want you to root out, I want actually my power, the Holy Spirit, to root out the lust in your heart. I want to carve it out. I want to transform your beliefs. I want to transform your beliefs so that 
Love is always a better umbrella in which to act rather than anger. Where you see my creations, my princes and princesses as like beautiful reflections of me, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to carve out that which is in you, not me. I want to be king of all of your heart, all of your life, and I want to squeeze out all other kings. I want to squeeze out all other negative forces. I want to squeeze out all those other temptations. Now, you might be, reading, you might be saying, Jason, this is picking impossible Never get angry. Never lust. I think Jesus is, is saying those first moments, I think every single person is going to get angry. I think there were times that Jesus was tempted with anger. Like I believe that he was probably angry at people. And lust. If he was fully man, fully God, the fully man part, he, he struggled with lust. There was a beautiful woman walked past, but he captured it, and it didn't, it didn't change anything. He rooted it out, and that's what he says. He says this dramatic example. He says this dramatic thing. He says, as lust starts to show up, you cut off wherever it's coming in. It's better to get into heaven with one eye than to have two eyes in hell. It's better to to limp into heaven with one leg than to walk straight into hell. It's better to have one arm than to have two arms in hell. And Jesus is saying, this is urgent. This isn't tomorrow. This isn't next week. This is right now. I want you to make you, I want you to make me king of your life. And I want you to live by my kingdom rules. And I want you to let me in and let me steer. This is why it's harder to be a Christian than it is to be a Jew. Because Jesus wants you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, a book called A Cost of Discipleship. And he wrote it on the Sermon on the Mount. And his, and his conclusion is, if you want to come to Jesus, you must first say, I die to myself. The cost of discipleship is death. Is death to all that was within us. Paul adds to it, he says, cut off any evil desires. Cut it out. James, the stepbrother of Jesus, says, your desires give birth to sin, which gives birth to death. If you follow the, 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 the train, it's going to end in death. And so Jesus is saying, you see, you see just a hint of it. You start to smell one of these things, anger, lust. You start to do anything. You get rid of it. You cast it out. You clear, you clear the plate. You clear the deck. You get the heck away from it. One of my favorite authors, a guy named John Ortberg, really helped me. Because I'm going to move into... This is, this is the application section. My first application is first you, you make Jesus your king. Not this week... Not tomorrow, right now. You make them king of your life. 
Second application, you root out any evil. You, re, you root out any, any anger. There's brothers and sisters that you've wronged. Go make it right as quick as possible. There's, there's some in here that are struggling with lust. Cut it out. Get as far away from that stuff as possible. Orpric really helped me in this latter area, lust. He said, temptation, this is in a book called The Me I Want to Be. Horrible title, great book. He said, the temptation's always going to be there. And this is with every sin, actually. The temptation's always going to be there. Temptation isn't the enemy. Isolation is. And he actually gets it from AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. The guy who started AA, you probably all know this, but he was a believer. And his first couple of attempts, it wasn't working. He was trying to get AA, and he was trying to get people to, to admit their, that he had, he had a bunch of the steps, but he didn't have one missing ingredient. He couldn't figure out why it kept failing. People were admitting they were wrong. They were doing this, 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 and it wasn't working. And then he discovered the sponsor. And he discovered the, the crucial part of getting rid of a sin is community. The sponsor. The sponsor actually becomes free of alcohol by teaching someone else how to be free from alcohol. It's the same with all of us. And just name your sin. Community is an amazing healer for sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you. I praise you for your son. I praise you for his words to us this morning. I pray that you would help us reconcile with someone that we're angry with today, tomorrow, this week, sometime. I pray that you would cast the lusts out of our hearts. And as they first appear, I pray that we would radically get them out of our lives. In the powerful name of Jesus the Christ and all of God's children said,